Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Life in Sport podcast. We've got a very special guest, former NRL player, played for the Tigers, the Sharks, and the Warriors, Blake Aishford. Thanks for joining us, and how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good. Uh, went down the boys into basketball, so um, yeah, I um, went down and just watched him have a couple of games in a little tournament, so it's uh, it's different for me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a good spectator. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, like, you'd have the white line fever for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, I'm a big critic, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's just say I can't play basketball, but for some reason, being a fan, I think I can. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, it must relate to a lot of uh, probably players when you know they get back chat off a, a lot of people that aren't in their position. So that's yeah, you know, my my son could probably beat me at basketball, but I still think uh, I know what's best. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Did did he get the win? On the gala tournament day, nah, they 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 um were in a little tournament. They didn't, but it was um it was good. It's good because the all the best kids from sort of around the country and uh yeah got to mix it up and see where where he's at at that age. So it's good. I uh, I've never seen obviously basketball growing up. It wasn't mm. that big, but now yeah. obviously you've got Stephen Adams and even the Boomers are awesome with Australia. Um. So it's definitely a big thing now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Breakers are also a team in the NBL. Yes, yes. The Breakers are there. We actually, when I was living up in Auckland, I'm not living in Auckland anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was, we got to go and see LaMelo Ball play RJ Hampton. Who oh, wow. Both, both players are in the M- NBA now and uh, playing their trade over there. So to, to see that, I mean, that was uh, a little sneak peek of the future and yeah, yeah, I love it because I'm a basketball nerd and sort of American sport nerd. So, oh, honestly, yeah. same. Like, basically, if, if it has a ball, I follow it as a sport and definitely an American sport nerd. Um, so let's get started. The basically the um, the I can't ask or, or start the interview, Chinwag, without asking about the Mount Smart homecoming. It was well over a thousand days almost. Um, you know, since the Warriors played at home at Mount Smart the whole week. Obviously, it got a, it would have got a lot more publicity in New Zealand than it did in Australia, and it still was pretty well covered in Australia. It was a sellout, and they both, well, two of your former clubs, the Warriors and the Tigers, you know, took each other on. The Warriors getting the chocolates, you know, and keeping the Tigers scoreless. What? Well, sorry, not scoreless, trialless. What was the like for you for the whole week and the game day as well um so i was lucky enough to be a part of uh i worked up there so i got some tickets to go uh with the tab mm-hmm. so uh tab new zealand i was lucky enough to do some work and get along to the game with them and um look the buzz all week is um you know it it, it, it wasn't just all week i suppose it was the month leading into it no matter yeah. what had happened like the warriors had a couple of bad losses leading into it but we all knew the warriors were going to be hard to beat at home for that homecoming game yeah unless they did come back originally how they're supposed to play penrith yeah, that yeah. A different story yeah but um let's just say they chose wisely mm. but uh look mate the buzz was I, I said a couple of times i haven't missed the game as in playing it mm-hmm. um oh so sorry i shouldn't say playing it because i'm still running around here and there but yep. like as in um training and the structure and yeah, like the intensity of it exactly and getting and running out for a game and wanting to play as much over these last two three years since i've been retired but that week i actually had goosebumps and sort of wanted to be a part of it yeah you were like you were itching to be in the shed sort of thing 
man, I was even the walkout, like it, it was, I've walked out of there. Every time I was with the Warriors, we always came out of the middle as they mm-hmm. did because we were home. And um, when you played lower grades, sometimes you ran out of the tunnel, but yep. never through the smoke with the drums. Yeah. Um, leading and everything like that was just epic setup just the way they did that and they they weren't going to get beat they just couldn't couldn't there's no way and what more fitting way to have the first try scorer being tohu harris the captain of the team and he's also at that point limping as well because he's quite injured at the time and he crosses over for a meat pie and like and that basically set the precedent for the game it was amazing and there was a lot of australian based warriors fans whether they're from new zealand or not but they flew over and i was seeing on all the instagram stories the day after them getting their flights back which really shows how much it meant to the warriors fans the people of new zealand and the australian warriors based fans so like it's amazing so what was the your timeline I know this is basically towards the end of the interview, but as in re-Warriors talk, but because we're talking about it, may as well talk about it now. What was it like your time at New Zealand? Because you actually were part of more or less the last Warriors team to play in New Zealand until the homecoming. Well, it was up and down, a lot of up and down. Obviously, when I signed the first year, um, I, was, I, I was part of that group with um, Lingy Sal yep. and Roger Tulvasa-Shek and Isaac Luke. So, you know, we, they're expecting big things. And I think we just missed out on the eight that year. And I yep. think it was a loss to the Tigers at Mount Smart. Oh. Enough that was the, the the game that cost us. But uh, look, man, like it was ups and downs. I, I was injured the year they made the, the top eight the last time. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously still part of the squad. And, you know, when Mount Smart's roaring, there, there's only one or two grounds that can really match it. And What would be those point, other grounds, do you reckon? I'd say Suncorp, a pack Suncorp, yep. and there's no other better ground. And, you know, probably the people in New Zealand might hate me for this, but the best ground you could ever play a game of footy at is uh, Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt Oval. I was going to say Leichhardt Oval, yeah. It, it, like, you, you can't I, – I don't know why the NRL don't schedule more games on a Sunday yeah. after there and they schedule Friday night games. It's beyond me because yeah. – you will sell it out no matter what. And just the atmosphere is... It's yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Like, my partner, she's a massive Tigers fan. Never been to a Tigers game in her life, or honestly, an NRL game in her life until this year because she's just... Again, I mentioned we're in the, in the tweet area, so can't really get to... Like, it's a bit too far to get to the Suncorp for a, a night game, and it's too far to get down to Sydney. But we're actually going down to Sydney next weekend. I'm taking her to her first Tigers game. Unfortunately, it'll be against the Panthers, so we know how that's <laughs> going to go. But it's going to be a Tigers-Panthers game, and she's so stoked for it. So I can imagine Leichhardt on a Sunday Arvo. I've been to Leichhardt, but never on a Sunday Arvo game. Um, but, yeah, continue your chat about the Warriors. Yeah, it's just... Um, look, man, just... I. So my wife's uh, from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I met her in Australia, and she'd only been in Australia for about four or five years. While we were, mm-hmm. like, as it, so I met her the first year she was there, and we were together those five years before I moved back. So um, obviously she knew what to expect. But for me, just culturally mm-hmm. and uh, media-wise and just the whole coverage, um, it, it's sort of what I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming over here, the, there's not as much spotlight on you if you don't go searching for it. Yeah, gotcha. You know what I mean? Whereas yep. if you go where you are in Sydney, you go to the cafe. And you get papped. Rugby league, yeah. yeah, and rugby league's the first six pages of the newspaper. Yep. yep. Whereas it, it's, like, it's like a footnote in the back part of the newspaper over there, I'm guessing. 
Hello? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You might get a little, you might, yeah, you might get a little paragraph or um, something like that, but it's just, it's just, um, just to come here and, you know, you get to travel to Wellington and uh, uh, Rotorua and all these places. And it just feels so, so different to Australia. And mm-hmm. obviously I live here now and I just love the slower pace and, and the people here. It's just, um, yeah, man, it, it's hard to explain unless you come and live it, live it yourself. And yep. I'm, like I said, I'm not in Auckland anymore because that started to turn out like Sydney a bit too oh. fast for me. Yep. So um, I moved two hours out of Auckland and love where I am, man. It's uh, yeah. Setting up the kids here, living a life here. That's amazing to hear. Um, and so obviously we just spoke about your time at the Warriors. Let's go back all the way to your grassroots, Paddington, Wallara Tigers, and obviously the Coogee Randwick Wombats. What was it like playing for those juniors and how did they shape you and mold you to be the NRL player you ended up being? Um, so originally I wanted to play for the Paddington Colts. I know you mm-hmm. see a lot of Brian Fletcher talk about it on TV and things. And that's who my dad and my brother and that played for, but they didn't have a, a team in my age. So we played for uh, the Paddo Tigers. And look, I, I've still got mates now that I ended up going all the way through high school with that I played with in that team. Mm-hmm. One of my best mates, um, you know, and at, I think about eight, our team folded. We just didn't have the numbers and, the Roosters junior system, it's funny when you hear players say they're Roosters juniors when they come and play at 15. Yeah. Like, there's not too many, like a Victor Radley's a Roosters junior to me because he's been there through, you know. Through like from when he was like 10 in their junior junior. Yeah. That's my exact same logic. When I hear someone's like, say someone's a Parramatta junior you know unless they're playing for like hills district sort of teams before Mm. they hit the sg ball Parramatta team they're not a para junior i'm sorry but that's how i view it too so i absolutely agree and that that's yeah and it it was good man and and the souths and the roosters comp obviously the roosters don't have too many clubs so they Mm. joined together they were together for all these years and went and played the kudji wombats and it was fun um you know got beat in about four or five grand finals in a row to the one team mascot. Uh, Made them though. Made the yeah, grand finals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had uh, Eddie Payer who used to play with yep. uh, South Sydney and Eddie Pettiborn who's Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and Bunnies as well. So we played them growing up and uh, look, it was awesome. And the only reason I sort of switched back to the Pado Tigers when we were 13 was um, because it was easier to make the rep side for the Roosters than it would have been for South Sydney. Because South Sydney have eight or eight or nine teams in our yeah. in our thing, whereas the Roosters had one. Yep. So we, yeah, would, gotcha. we went to the Paddo Tigers and restarted the Paddo Tigers at our age, mm-hmm. and we made two Roosters teams. So oh if wow, I, yeah. If I couldn't make the top twenty out of twenty six players, then probably rugby league wasn't my sport. So as you said, you, you by that respect, as you said, you you kind of have to create your opportunities in New Zealand. You could also say you created your opportunity by going back to uh, Paddington. Oh, 100%. And like I said, like if I if I couldn't make the the top 20 man squad out of 26 players, then I don't think I would have kept going for rugby league. I think it yeah. would have hurt a it bit. Would have, so. It would have disheartened you a bit sort of thing. Yeah. But so, and exactly that's, so I, I went along in my first year of high school, I was in um, a Catholic school, you know, place in rugby league, but not, you know, rugby league, rugby union, that sort of stuff. But it was never, it was mainly school focused. Yep. And then I, um, another 
transition or how you can say positioning myself to sort of make myself better mm-hmm. uh chose a sports school and they weren't too big endeavor at sports high wasn't it yeah endeavor yeah. sports high and they weren't too big at that time but now well, you won the arrival live cup in 06 yeah yeah well we we won it um a couple of times but mm. back then um they definitely know, weren't on the radar sort of no nah, there was you know, you've got Matraville Sports, you've got Hill Sports now, you've got all these. When there was really only Westfields, Endeavour, and maybe Hunter up in I was going to say, yeah, maybe Hunter as well, yeah. yeah. So they were the ones back then that, like, sort of the the maidens that... Um, the ones that led the way. Yeah, and I sort of positioned myself into that school, and I learned from coaches, um, you know, uh, Brad Kelly, who's still there, Jeff Hardy, who, you know, some say one of the unluckiest never to play for Australia and New South yeah, Wales. Yeah. Yep. Um, Dave Howlett, who has been coaching the Sharks, was assistant coach the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so these these are coaches I had teaching me the game from 13 until I left school. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And who were your inspirations or idols, you know, growing up through, you know, obviously playing rugby league, Who, whether it was an, an NRL player or whether it was those coaches that you mentioned? Um, sort of two, I suppose as a player, um, back then it was always Mal Meninga. Yep. Um, I had obviously big Mal when I was like 13 and 14, he was out of the game, but I was lucky enough to get a photo with him after the 94. Yeah. Wow. I got, yeah. I got a photo of me and my, I got Canberra socks, hat, jersey, flag, shorts. <laughs> so is it safe to say you're a Raiders fan growing up? Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what like the kids that switches uh very often but um but yeah i was i was raiders fan diehard i had the big i had a mal vhs i still oh, wow. remember the vhs about his career yep um i was lucky enough obviously to get that photo when i was younger and uh he was obviously a footy hero of mine but looking back now probably uh you know probably a lot of people say it but you don't realize it till it's older mm-hmm. until you're older that your parents are sort of your heroes. And my, my old man uh, sort of took the responsibility of taking us back to Paddington Tigers and coaching. Yep. And um, look, we, we never saw eye to eye. We still today argue about rugby league. <laughs> um, yep. But for him, you know, he's, he's a bloke who's worked his whole life. And I've yeah. seen him, you know, on, on shifts, like midnight shifts come off and, and still take the boys and coach us and, um, and it's those little one percent sacrifices that helped make you an NRL player, sort of thing. Exactly, mate. And and it wasn't just me. There was a lot of us that sort of kept us doing things. And um, you know, after school, we'd go, we'd all catch the train together from Endeavour to all the way to like Waverley around Bondi, yep. and we'd train. And and it just it wasn't and like Dad sort of did that for us and met us there, and then we'd go to work. But it also created that friendship with me and all my mates as well. So, you yeah. know, looking back now at the time, I'd never admit it. Um, yeah. As, but now you look back at things like that and you're like, well, he actually did a lot. And being a parent yourself, you understand how much you give for the kids, not only yeah. money-wise from the play sport, but time as well. And yeah. yeah. So I know looking back at it now, it's it's uh, probably dead. Yeah, no, nah, that's honestly fair enough. And I would, my next question was going to be what team you follow growing up, but we just covered that in the one as well, which is perfect. Um, and obviously, as you said, juniors are like 
like Victor Radley juniors, like they're really youngsters. But technically, if we're going off nowadays, it's you were a junior with the Roosters and then you got, you could say, poached by the Tigers to go over there. Um, how did that come about, you know, being in the Roosters system and then c- crossing over to West's Tigers? Um, so the story goes, it was the, you spoke about winning the arrival live. So mm-hmm. we won the two years Endeavor actually won it three years in a row. And, yep. and I was, I played the last two years, 2005 and 2006. Yep. And we beat Kibra park who were with, Oh the, wow. <laughs> yeah. Who were with the tigers at that time. And they had Ben Teo, Bodine Thompson, players like this. And um, even Ben Murdoch, Masilla, oh no, he was later, but th- those, mm. those two years we, we, um, beat them and Tim Sheens was obviously there watching because a lot of those keeper park boys are with the Tigers. Yep. So um, coming off contract at the end of the year, I had the Roosters, uh, the Bulldogs, the Dragons, and the Tigers. Oh wow, a lot of interest. Yeah, yeah I suppose there was there was a little bit, um, you know, but the with with the Roosters, it was sort of I met with Ricky Stewart and it was sort of. Uh, you know, I haven't really watched you. Don't know much. You get to train once a week with the first grade or something. So there was so. no like, com- that, yeah, it was, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. And and it sort of stunk as well because as we speak about, like, it took me ages to let go of the roosters and the way the roosters handled me. Even later on, when I tried to come back mm. in my career, and um, the officer or uh, recruitment officer there said, "No, we don't want him. He's no good." And wow. it's sort of. So a lot of built-up patriot I had for the Roosters because of that juniors we talk about, and when they label people, this is the junior, yeah, but, and they talk about that, but they don't show all the other juniors they've just thrown to the side. Yeah, absolutely. So, like for every one junior that makes it through the system to like the NRL squad or the reserve grade, there's like a hundred plus that haven't made it. Yeah, and like, and it took me a while to get over that, but then there was them. I met with Steve Folks. Yep. who ended up, um, you know, uh, training us with the Tigers later on down the track. Legend of a bloke. Um, yeah, one of the best blokes you'll meet, folksy. And theirs, theirs was sort of similar to the Roosters. Okay. The Dragons, I met Nathan Brown uh, yep. in a pub. Oh, okay. I had to take mum with me. Obviously, they're down in Wollongong, and they were yep. up in the Chloe Hotel celebrating a win and um, went there and met him just before I think he went and had a big night. Yep. Um, and then I never met Sheenzy. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, but for me, it's, it's funny you said before, um, put yourself in a position so you can succeed. Yeah. Like creating and, the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I looked at the teams and the Bulldogs had a, a Willie Tonga, um, you know, the Roosters, I'd, I already just touched on the Roosters, that vibe I'd, didn't like mm-hmm. the the dragons had matt cooper and gaznia oh there was no way you were taking their spots exactly man like i i i confident in my ability i think that i still had more potential than i ever reached in the nrl yep but i never once would have i thought that i could take their spot and yep. then i looked at the tigers and i seen chrissy lawrence was a young fella coming up yep um dean collis was there at the time and was doing a good job and I know Sheenzy had signed me as a lock 5'8". Yep. So center was never a position. Yeah. But it was sort of like looking at that whole back line and lock and sort of the Tigers. Um, I just loved the way they played footy. 
Mm. Especially coming off a successful 05 season. Oh, and we, one of those Arrival Live wins, we were the curtain raiser for their game. Yeah. So we got to sit in the, the stands and watch them play the Dragons when, you know, they demolished them in that semi. And yep. Man, it was um, exciting with their team, Farah, Benji. So it was you know, like a no brainer for you, sort of thing, to when you were offered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, there was things there, but it was just, uh, I suppose, I, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I think it that it exactly happened for that reason. Oh, for sure. Um, and then obviously you went on to debut in for, for their NRL team in 2009, round 11 uh, against the Broncos, actually, uh, which is the team that I follow in the NRL. What was it like uh, getting your debut against such a, you could say, prolific club? They were also quite successful around that time, having won the 06 grand final. Um, yeah, what was it like getting your debut, running out onto the pitch for the first time? Um, I was a bit more calm at that that week because I was actually my first year out of school, I was named eight, oh, 18th, 19th man. Mm-hmm. Um, and all week I was sort of getting all the text messages, pumping me up from mates. Oh, yeah, you're going to debut, you're going to debut. You know, this is, it's awesome. In my head, then it started filling my head and I'm like, oh, I'm yep. actually a chance here. And then Sheenzy broke the news that he was going Ben Teo, Ben Teo's debut. And yep. um, injury happened the next year and I had to play twenties and wait my time. And, then when it finally came, it was sort of, it, it was, I was nervous because it was the Broncos and, yep. you know, the Lockyers and all those, Carmichael Hunt and those players. Yep. But the week was awesome because, and I can't really, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I can't really remember it too much because it was all about Johnny Scandalous. Yep. Because it was his first game back after two years. Yeah, over in England, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he'd come back. We'd been struggling. We were third last, possibly, and Scando had come back, and the whole talk was about Scando, and and it was which good. kind of helps relieve the pressure on you on your first grade debut. Hundred percent going up against the likes of Lockyer and um, Kyle Michael Hunt and these players. If Scando wasn't coming back, they the media and the papers would have eaten you alive in their articles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, oh, they. They did um, that for many years later, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that first year or that first game, it was. I, I remember the things I do remember is sitting at the sheds mm-hmm. before the game because it was. If you were to go into Campbelltown now, they got the nice cubicles, the nice yeah. you know for each player has a cubicle. These ones were the old sheds where there's the three wooden yep all the way around. You just plot your bag under the bench. You get changed. It's cold. Um, yeah. yeah and that's what it was like back then. Central Coast Stadium sheds are still very much like that. Yeah, but they have their own rooms with that's true. cubicles. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, but the, the, that that's a vivid memory of mine before my debut and also scoring the try and getting taken off as well after scoring. Yeah. On debut as well, which is a very, very, very small percentage. Like that's a, 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 a what's the word, exclusive club in the NRL of being able to, like having said, you scored a try on your NRL debut, which I sort of guess set the precedent for the rest of your 2009 season because you ended up getting Rookie of the Year or Tigers Rookie of the Year that season. What what did that mean to you to achieve that? Um, That was huge. I mean, as I spoke about when I was the first year out of school and I thought, you know, pump my break, I pumped myself up, I'm, I'm going to get the debut and never got it. And it took yeah. me another two years. So there were times in that two years where I thought, oh, like, uh, yeah, 
it's good, but am I actually ever going to get a go? Have I missed my opportunity? Mm. How many opportunities do you get? So to finally get there and the season we had once Skando and I um, came in, we it, it just felt um, like we'd won. And that, yeah. that was no, I'm not saying that's because me and Skando joined. No. It just like the vibe know, from just, it from that point on. Yeah, we just fired. And it all um, culminated in that that game, you know, with the flick pass, the Benji flick pass, the yep. Parramatta game, 36,000 at uh, the SFS on a yeah. Friday night. Whoever wins that most likely makes the top eight. Yep. And Parramatta ended up getting us in the end and we seen they made the grand final. Which, but, I mean, if, if I'm an... I was never an NRL player, obviously, and I can just only imagine of if I'm in that type of game, and it's whoever wins this goes on to the top eight. And then that team that beats me goes on to the grand final. I'm not mad. I'm yeah. uh, As in, if they go on and win or lose the grand final, it doesn't matter. They made the grand final. Cool. Whereas if it's they go and they lose in the first round and get eliminated in the first round finals, then I'm a bit freaking salty. <laughs> yeah. I get I get where you come from. And I, I suppose for me, because of my first year, mm-hmm. I was a bit naive uh, thinking because I'd won – been a part of winning yeah so, like, so much success yeah i was just like oh man this is it's it's hard but it's good it's like, doable yeah it's doable like we're gonna get better each year this is just the first year i've had with these guys our full teams come together um so for me i was just a bit naive that oh this is gonna happen every year mm. Mm. Now that's fair um you then played quite a fair few years from 09 to 2013 at the tigers um becoming more or less a crowd favorite, if I'm being honest. And then you moved to Cronulla. What was it like as in, A, the culture differences, as in the, the club culture, uh, being down in the Shire and all that sort of stuff? And also, do you remember what the first, like how your first game for Cronulla against the Tigers was like? Um, I, so um, the, the difference is it's probably like, because I'd come sort of from a young adult into a man, like yeah, I came Tigers. to the Tigers as 84, uh, 83 kilos. Yeah. And I ended up debuting at 100. Yep. So, like, I've, I've grown there. I've I've been out, shared a beer with these guys. I've shared food. I've broken bread with all these guys that I've been with. And then to leave them was probably sad and uh, a bit selfish of myself at the time. I just thought it was the right thing, even though I got warned against it. Mm-hmm. As um, in moving to the Sharks or moving from the club in general? Um moving to the sharks okay yeah so obviously the the salary uh not salary cap the asada stuff asada stuff had yep. happened about two years before i moved it was yeah yeah but um there was yeah, still that. There, yeah and going there you heard the whispers but there was i was like it hasn't happened for two years it's yeah. not gonna happen exactly and, um we get there and yeah it, great bunch of blokes um i love that part of playing with the sharks but um yeah, man, the, the whole two years was a bit of a shambles for me. Probably um, set the career, set the, the life on a bit of a downward spiral. Okay. Um, like like I said, the mates there that I made, I'll, I'll have forever. But just the footy-wise and uh, everything else that came with it, yeah, well, it wasn't healthy for me. That's uh, fair. Well, we won't touch too much on that, um, except though the Cronulla game. It wasn't the first yeah. game for, for Cronulla, but do you remember, as in that you played for Cronulla, but do you remember the first time basically going back to like playing against the Tigers, your former teammates, and how that felt and what it was like? I, I don't think I 
to be fair, I, you might know more than me. I have a very uh, bad memory, but I don't think I actually played. I, I know that first year when we mm, lost. Actually, yeah, like, I may be, you may be right. Yeah. yeah we, we'd lost, we ended up getting wooden spoon, but mm. there was about four or five of us that got dropped um, from a team that was, yep. a, you know, a New South Wales Cup team anyway. And we got dropped. And I think they played the Tigers that next week. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was my, that, that's my, that's my bad. <laughs> I, could, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. But um, like I said, those two years were pretty. It was a haze for you, I'm guessing. Haze. Yeah. But oh, apart from obviously I, I did my, that second year mm-hmm. I came back and um, sort of got on with Flano a little bit and um, sort of strung a couple of games together and it looked like I was going to keep the spot. And then I did yep. my back. Oh, that's and, no good. Um, that sort of hindered Said it, the rest it, of it. it. It started like you were just getting back on track, and then that happened. So it just yeah delays it again. And is that part of the reason? Um, obviously the uh, struggling to basically get a game. You could say bit of injury. Is that what made you rethink your options and start looking for another club, which ended up being the Warriors? Um, no, so I I knew that the Sharks weren't going to offer me. Okay, and obviously. Being a part of a team, and we were playing so bad that first year. Um, sorry, and- but you guys really were. I hate to. Oh. I'm sorry, but oh, it, it, like you went from like I had to say the Sharks went from spooners to grand final winners within a matter of a few years, and it's crazy to think. But that season, because I've actually interviewed Shane uh, oh, months ago, like this was closer yeah. to the start of last year, and even he was amazed at how he managed to how they managed to go from spoon to grand final. Sorry, continue. Well, you, you got to think the spoon year. We had like Wade Graham didn't play, Paul Gallon didn't play, exactly. Like none of these, we didn't have Mick Ennis then. Luke Lewis was still injured. Mm-hmm. Like, I just named four internationals that were pivotal to the grand final yeah. season. You didn't, didn't have James have, Maloney at the club either. We didn't have James Maloney. We didn't have Ben Barber. Like so, yeah. the, you can. There's a lot of factors, but that second year we were trending on the right direction. Yes, absolutely. Mick Ennis came. Mick Ennis is. Man, he'll make you run through a brick wall for him because he's he's very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've been told, he's one of the smartest players on the field. Like, and I've heard that from referees that I've interviewed. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. He gets you that fired up and want to do stuff for him and wants to be that player that you play with. You can see how much he niggles other players. Yeah. Oh, oh, he was a pest. <laughs> I know. And I hated it playing against him. But when you're with him, it's just something about the bloke. And yeah, I got a lot, I got a lot of respect for him. And he is one of the smartest blokes. Um, like rugby league IQ wise. Yeah. yeah. And that, that run they went on, like it, it, um, it did hurt, but the, obviously they didn't offer me a contract after the injury. Cause it was a, so when I did my back, it was a, nerve damage down the side and had a slip disc and they sort of knew the severity of it. Um, I was out for six weeks and they sort of knew whereas other teams didn't quite know yet, but the other, I didn't get as many offers as I originally had have Uh because of that first year. And Gotcha. Yep. So um, if you don't mind me asking, which clubs did show interest and or offer you other than the Warriors? So I originally looked to go to Rugby Union. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Western Force. Okay. Uh, originally, but that was sort of on hold because the World Cup was on and they yeah. hadn't, um, what was it? They hadn't finalized who was coming back from the World Cup or who mm-hmm. was going overseas and stuff. So I had to wait on that. And while I was waiting, there was the Broncos. Okay. And uh, obviously the Warriors. And the Broncos, I was, I was a bit 
keen because I was still in Queen. I was still in, you know, Australia. Yep. And Wayne um, Bennett was back Wayne with the Broncos Bennett. at that point. Yeah, Wayne Bennett. Um, but then Andrew McFadden called me. Okay. And had a sort of half hour chat. Just the one of the years I was with the Tigers, he was coaching with uh, the Raiders the year we knocked okay. them out of the semis. Yep. And just said, look, if you can give me a bit of what you had then and bring it over to the Warriors. And I'm not, he, and he, the, the thing that uh, resonated with me is he didn't say, I've got you a spot here. He just said, look, you're going to have to come over and work for it. But yeah. it gave me belief because he goes, I, I know what you can do. I've seen you do it. And then he, he believed in you and knew your capabilities. Days. Yeah. It just referred back to those Tigers days and gave me, gave me an extra bit of belief. And I went over there and seen him and signing and geez, I was like a hundred and a hundred and you were big. Yeah. Was, yeah. And he goes, mate, this is, this isn't on like you, you, you got to go and lose weight. You've got four weeks or something till we start preseason. So yep. he sent me a goal. I came back and met it and um, he was, you know, our, our relationship started from then. So now that's awesome. And obviously that would have definitely helped make the move to New Zealand a, a lot easier. Um, and we spoke about your time at the Warriors at the start of the episode. Um, but for a bit of a recap and a brief, um, what was your first season like for the Warriors? Um, so talking about the first time playing the Tigers, I, my first game for the Warriors was against the Tigers at oh, Camp. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we... Uh, we got beat that game too. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was a bit surreal going back there and playing them. Um, kind of like a first, homecoming almost. Yeah. Sort of at Campbelltown, you know, where I made my debut and sort of felt like a rebirth, but it was unreal. Just, um, just playing with the players like Sean Johnson, a Simon Mannering, Manu Vatavai, mm. all these players, like it was legend names was, right there. Yeah, I was just still pinching myself, even though I was 27 and had yeah. played with a lot of other great players. Um, the first year was up, up and down. And like I said, I think we ended up just missing out on the eight. But we mm-hmm. were a team that when you look back, and you could probably say it's about a lot of teams, but when you look back, we probably should have made the eight that year. On like paper, they, the, the players yeah. that you had in in the team and like like the results, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And RTS did go down that first year with the ACL, but that's no mm-hmm. excuse. So, uh, no. Tui Lola here came in and did a great job. And um, look, we had some great players. Um, Fusatua scored five tries one of those games that year. Yeah. Like, it was like you guys were on track to mm. do things. Yeah. And, and my time there that first year was, I was like, okay, well, the first year's done. I see how it is. Uh, let's go again the second year. Yeah. And it sort of, Another shake in the in the career happens. So, mm. yeah. now that's fair. Um, and in 2019, obviously, you decided to hang up the boots and you know call time on your NRL career, which spanned across three clubs. Um, at what point during the 2019 year slash season did you, you know, actually have the? Because obviously, it's a very very tough decision to make for any professional sports person. What was the driving factors and all that? And you know, talk us through that time in your life when you were you know, from point of thinking about retiring to deciding, yes, this is the year to hang the boots up? Um, so, 2000, in 2018, going in, uh, coming off that season with my back, mm-hmm. my knees and everything, I got a call and I was going to go over to England with Sheenzy. Oh, so Super League? Yeah. 
Okay. And um, it's something I always wanted to do. I've never played in Europe and I was very keen. And then as I came back to training, the Warriors had said, look, I don't, we don't see you as a center this year. Mm-hmm. We want you to play back row. Okay. So sort of breathed a bit of life into me and I decided to give it one final crack and gave everything I had. And yep. um, look, my knee was playing up that bad. And then halfway through the in uh, halfway through the season, uh, my other knee gave way. So my tendons had just rotted in other easy Ooh. terms. So they were yeah. just rotten. Um, so I was taking to play the last, oh, the last three months, four months, I was taking um, a couple of painkillers the night before the game. Yep. I'd take one the morning of the game and take two just before the game. Wow. So I couldn't. Just to get through the day, let alone the game. So just to get through the game. So I wouldn't. Those last couple of months, I couldn't really train. I yep. was training on one leg. Um, You're pop- so training at about 50% compared to where you wanted to be. Yeah, and the coaches were a bit concerned. I know Mooks came up to me, Stephen Kearney came up to me a couple of yep. times the weeks I was named and just said, well, are you going to be right to go? Because <laughs> you can't. Because like, I, I literally couldn't run. I was in that much pain. Wow. And um, I said, mate, just get just as long as I get to the game, I'll be sweet. Yep. So all the pump myself up full of everything and I was sweet. And then as soon as full time came, I was done again. Yep. Uh, and I sort of knew like I was getting, a, I was getting surgery at the end of the year and the offers came to go over to England. There was no, I think I, I knew my time with the NRL was done. Okay. I, I was sort of content that I personally, the body, I, I didn't think I could go again in the NRL. So you were listening to your body sort of thing. Yeah, like no one had said to me, oh, look, it's time to give up. Yeah, it's yeah. No, no one had said, obviously, the NRL offers weren't streaming in anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have them knocking the door down. But um, uh, you, you could probably say the writing was on the wall. But to myself, I was like, look, I, I don't think I could go again anyway in the NRL. But Or even in because, as you said, you had some offers come from Super League clubs. And that's, I think, maybe as... Sorry to interrupt real quick, but you were just saying before that, um, you know, your body was basically breaking down because of these injuries. You need, you had surgery scheduled at the end of the season. So there was, and there was no real interest from NRL Super League. Yes. So it was a matter of, do I listen to my body and, you know, retire while I can still recover my body or do I get the surgery and go for maybe another year or two in the Super League, which could be a disaster and you could do worse to your body that, you know, sort of thing. Well, it was, it was probably the first time in in my career that I'd been a bit selfless. Okay. So for my whole career, I was pretty selfish. This is towards my family, and I've got a. I was I was a young dad, like at twenty one. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, sorry, twenty two. So, you know, like I was pretty selfish throughout my career, and then I got to that age, and I was still thinking uh, selfish as well. I'd never been to Europe, and um because i did the dad at such a young age i wanted to travel and do all these things and i still wanted to like i wasn't going to go by myself yeah i wanted to take the kids and i wanted to just go and travel and do all that but then it came down to the point where my kids over here were starting school so coming out of preschool to start school do i want to take them over there for a year or two and then bring them back and unsettle them is it worth going over for a year then coming back to nothing or can I retire here and sort of transition into a yeah. into a role? And so it was probably the first time in my life where I was like, all right, it's not about you now. I've had the 12, 15 years 
in the game. Yep. Now let's think about the kids who are going to start school. Yeah. And the, what what this could do to them. So yeah, like there was a lot of that. So it's um yeah, the the kids really helped me made up my mind with my wife in the end to yeah. look say this is where we want to live. And this and a big part I tell kids as well um when coming through rugby league if they're in there I say the one thing you got to remember took me ages to remember is rugby league's business absolutely and you might play like me for three clubs some might be overseas some might be in europe but the thing is you should want to know by the end of your career where you want to live and have a house there yeah and for me by the time i'd finished here at the warriors i had that box ticked so i was a happy man and i could easily say look no to europe let's go on to the next chapter Absolutely. And that chapter was, you, honestly, you could say you dodged a bullet a little bit because you retired at the end of the 2019 season. Obviously, unprecedented times the next year with COVID. So more or less, you would have had to go straight into a COVID bubble and be locked away from your kids as well. And so it's kind of a blessing in disguise that you did retire when you did from oh. in that stand. But also at the same time, being locked down with your kids in the house would have also been better. So what was it like, not just retiring then, but also having to transition in a world where there was so much uncertainty? It was, it was tough, man. I, was, I think you speak to anyone that's in a business for so long and are set in a routine. So for me, the hardest thing was schedule Yep. and routine. So I'd finish... So every week, like with the Warriors, for instance, I knew what I was doing six weeks in advance. Yeah. I'd walk into my training and we'd have um, Dan Floyd, our, our manager, would have our sheet up for the next six weeks. All right, we're playing these guys here. We're traveling on the Thursday. We got trained in this day, this day. And yeah. things would change, but yeah. sort of have a rough copy of your life. Of how to prepare. Yeah, of how to yeah. prepare and all that. Yeah. Exactly. So when I'd finished, I'd like, just like, oh, what, like, Oh, I'm all right. I've got enough savings. I'll just relax for a bit. And I yep. just sort of took advantage of that for a while. And then, um, look, I ended up, it's funny you say, you know, leaving the kids and doing all that stuff. Cause I actually, for my first job, I worked with Sky. Oh, wow. And they wanted to start a Warriors TV. Yes. Yep. So we started before COVID hit. So we did a lot of stuff during the preseason, then COVID hit and we're locked down and locked down for the six weeks with the kids over here. And then um, got an opportunity to go with the Warriors to Central Coast. Yep. And we were through, we went through that whole time in Tamworth. Well, Tamworth? Yeah, it was Tamworth. Tamworth, yeah. See, that's how bad my memory is. <laughs> Only two years ago. Um, wow. Yeah, we, we went Tamworth and then we come up Central Coast and we were sort of doing it and filming the boys, their journey and things. Yeah, with Cameron George, wasn't it? Yeah, so we yep. did. He, he sort of um, got me in touch with Sky and me and Francis Ledger, another ex-warrior, um, we sort of, he was the cameraman. I was doing the presenting and did that. And then it got to a point where we were both like, oh, we don't know when we're going to get back. Like, yeah, shit. go now. So after about two months, we were like, oh, man, we're out. And yep. we ended up coming back and doing the show from back here in another lockdown. And you could say like, I was sort of lucky I got out before all that. Oh, absolutely. Happened. But then at the same time, I was sort of in it a bit, but was still secure with that job that I had at the time. 
absolutely so the job security was paramount and you know obviously you're in another country like granted australia is the country you you know you grew up in but when your family is in the other country it, it makes so much sense and you know sure like you made the sacrifice of two months and so many people like you said it was so hard on you for those two months which it was it was even like people don't realize the sacrifice the warriors made for those better half they're still making the sacrifice because because a lot of people think oh Mount Smart that that was their first home game and then they're doing more home games for the season no they're still back in Australia now till next year and it, it's it's testament so yeah it's yeah. it's crazy to think so and after all those lockdowns and all that how have you settled into yet post playing life because it would have helped it would have helped having a sports related type job to be able to go to yeah, but I'm I'm not with with Sky anymore. Obviously, sure. I I moved down because I moved away from Auckland. That's where yep. a lot of the the business and the opportunities are. And yeah, so it's yeah. like the Sydney, as you said. Yeah, and I still get people messaging me. Oh, do you want to come do this today? Uh, just got to come to be in the city at this time. I'm like, oh man, I'm two That's and a two a hour trip. Away. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not coming up there for that. But the, I wouldn't trade the lifestyle I have at the moment for that. So. Yep. Um, but look, I work just a normal at the moment. I work a normal eight to four job. Yep. Uh, I'm, you know, happy doing that, but also, uh, get to talk footy on a, a podcast with the TAB. Yep. We, it's called the advantage line. So that link to the podcast will be in the description below to anyone who wants to check that out. Oh, there you go. It just gives, obviously we talk all footy subjects and we're just normal fans like, everyone else you know there's a lot of podcasts out there that dive in a lot more depth than we do but we yeah. just give our opinions and then obviously our uh tips for you know yep, yep. Uh, the tabnz so look I, that that uh, i do that as well and i quite enjoy that because it keeps me in intact with the game and i just love love the game that much that yeah. talking about it and I, i'm still open to positions um anywhere just talking about rugby league and um because i think i have a lot to offer and you know still back playing now for um it's funny how bad i was and i got in touch with one of my old mates who i grew up playing with at pato who mm-hmm. you might know uh anthony charrington he's i, I know um, his name yeah and he's uh is a cousin uh uh cousin or brother is Manaya as well yeah, yeah and and ruben this is also she's playing for Parramatta. not yeah. uh yeah ruben and kennedy are playing for yeah. Parramatta yeah. this year so anthony was the one who uh out of Three us ACLs? first yeah david yeah. the roosters he played the semi-final where sia got knocked out by ruben that's right he yep. played that one and then took him a thousand days and played again yeah. 10 years later but he sort of now is expert on knees and rehabbing yeah, well, knees. Well, you'd want to hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, he's, he's taking it to the next level. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, like I, I, he hit me up to be a, a sort of test dummy and look, I was feeling bad at the time. I'd never sort of recovered from them and I I'm playing now again, just wow. down a couple more where I live and just having fun. And it, it feels so good to play footy where it's not, no pressure. Yeah. There's no, sh- you have to be here, here. This literally place. just have a beer after the game oh, as well. Sort of mate, chill. It's, it's just watch so the good. rest of the grades play. Yeah. It, it's awesome, man. And, and it's thanks to him as well. Like he sort of got me uh, feeling good again after all these couple of years. So 
just doing that stuff, playing, doing the TAB stuff, and um, also just a, a normal laborer like the a lot of others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and last question I've got for you is what advice? I mean, we kind of dabbled in this earlier, but what advice would you give to any youngsters who, you know, would love to try and make it in the NRL or any professional sport, really? Um, but mainly NRL. Mainly NRL. Look, I mean, it's a cutthroat business. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be cliche and just oh, put the head down and keep training and stuff like that. I guess maybe we could go with basically the whole theme of this episode that we've been chatting is if you if a, an opportunity isn't presented, find a way to create it. Maybe exactly. I, I think you just put yourself in in you just got to put yourself in positions where you think is best for you and where you can succeed. And look, I'm not going to say I thought every position I put myself in was perfect because it's not, I I put myself in that shark's position and it sort of, you know, hurt me a bit, but then I sort of put myself in positions by the school I went to by uh, the club I chose the tigers. And and you do get lucky every now and then. And you got to remember that to all the young players, you got to remember this is that there's, so many good players and there's there's these players that you see these days like a, a Munster, yep. um, a Cleary. They're exceptional. Everyone's yeah. going to think that. But then there's these other players who, you know, sort of like myself who played 100 plus games of NRL. And there's going to be people out there. There's going to be a scout from one team who thinks, yep, he can be in the NRL system. And then there's going to be another scout in another team who thinks he won't. Yeah. So like your game's based on one person's opinion. Yeah. Whether you can make it or not. Um, you just got to keep going, man. And like you said, put yourself in those positive positions.